This is the CJOB Sports Show podcast. We'll hear from Farhan Lalji of TSN on the great start of Nathan Rourke of the BC Lions. Staying on the gridiron, a couple of Manitobans, Brianne Ward originally from Lundar and Hannah McEwen of Winnipeg, on the same night they were handing out the Stanley Cup in Tampa Bay, were winning a championship of their own in the Women's National Football Conference down in Frisco, Texas. And speaking of the Stanley Cup, the guy who had the chance to call all the action for the Colorado Avalanche, Connor McGahee, is right off the top. Well, for those of us uh, who do what we do, and I'm talking about radio broadcasters, and more specifically in the play-by-play end of things. One of my great memories from my play-by-play career was having a chance to call the championship final in the 1992 Memorial Cup final that ended with a dramatic goal scored with just under 15 seconds left to snap a 4-4 tie. It wound up 5-4 for Kamloops. And as a matter of fact, uh, Kevin Hodgson of Winnipeg was the goaltender for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in that game. So there was a bit of a a local connection there. So that was my great thrill. But obviously, those of us who put on a headset and a microphone, we want the ultimate. We want to call the Stanley Cup final. And more importantly, we want to really be selfish and call the games for the championship team. Well, our first guest on the CJOB Sports Show, had a chance to live out that dream on Sunday night at Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay. We welcome one of our favorite guests from all year on our Jets broadcast, Connor McGahee, the radio play-by-play voice of the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, I guess uh, you might as well be mile high in the mile high city uh, with what I'm sure are still uh, celebrations going on. Connor, uh, congratulations uh, to your organization. I know we try to separate ourselves as the play-by-play voice, but you can't help uh, but be part of it when you're with them all year. It must have been just an absolute thrill. Kelly, first of all, good to talk to you. I'm glad that uh, that you reached out. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, now I understand when you watch interviews and almost every player to a T says, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't have the words. I can't describe it. You can't, you know, because you can, you can run it over in your mind a thousand times of how it's going to go and how it's going to feel. And it's uh, it, it is a true blessing uh, for all of them. And, and for, for me to, to be just a slight part of it, and it was uh, it was a special night Sunday night uh, there in Florida. But you're absolutely right, beyond lucky um, for for everybody involved, and and it makes me happy to see them because every kid playing hockey growing up, whether it was a, a tiny game outside playing shooty in the hallway of a hotel or whatever it was, if if you had a, a, a a fake Stanley cup that you held above your head for those who were on the ice, that Stanley cup is real now. And it was, it was just, uh, like I said, a true blessing to be able to watch those dreams come true for them in person. You know, there's the old saying that goes on the bus, stays on the bus. So I would imagine it's pretty much the same thing for the plane. But uh, I I would suspect, Connor, as as wild as things can get in the dressing room, you know, after the game, we see the celebrations on the ice. I'm thinking it might have been a little bit more tame and probably a lot quieter on the plane ride back to Denver. 
Yeah, yep, and you know the families are with uh, with everybody coming back, and uh, so. It, but that didn't mean that there were fewer smiles. You know, mm-hmm. it uh, it was it was ear to ear for three and a half hours coming back from from Tampa to Denver, and then they they walk off the plane onto the tarmac, and and there's news waiting, airport staff out on the tarmac, fans have come out. Um, to Denver International Airport to, to welcome the Cup back to Colorado for the first time in 21 years. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, a big-time party that night. And uh, now they're just going to spread it out uh, for the rest of the summer until they try and see if they can do it again coming up uh, late September, early October. Wow, they certainly look like they have the wherewithal to do that. We'll get into that in a moment. But uh, uh, the parade is planned for Thursday just enough time uh, for everybody to maybe get caught up on a, on a little bit of sleep. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what's the mood like in Denver? Because I would imagine that uh, there is going to be a pretty significant uh, turnout for this. And, you know, somebody had mentioned uh, on social media earlier today, uh, you know, the, the high school championship, uh, the university championship. This is just, I guess, the avalanche following in lockstep with what's been going on in Denver this year. Sure. I mean, it's uh, it's a hockey town right now. East High School, the Angels win. The University of Denver, Pioneers, uh, win their second uh, NCAA National Championship in, in five years after winning in 2017 in Chicago. Uh, and with that, you know, they, they have the most NCAA championships uh, in history um, out of any other program does DU. So now the Avalanche uh, win their third Stanley Cup and the Stanley Cup has this. I know this town has won three Super Bowls too, and everyone says that the Broncos drive the conversation, and for the most part, they do. Mm-hmm. But the Stanley Cup has a special part in people's hearts here because it was the first major sports championship to come to Denver in 1996, and they had the base pieces that were gifted to them by the the Quebec Nordiques, and then Pierre Lacroix makes them some big move to set up that first thing. But uh, again, as, as special as that one was being the first, as special as Oh one was with probably the best Stanley cup moment ever with Joe Sackett handing the cup to Ray Bork. Uh, And and this one is is just the latest of those. And so everyone points to uh, the Vince Lombardi trophy as a big one, but I still think just because it was the first that the Stanley cup, has this special place in, in people's hearts in this city, in this state, and in this region. Connor McGahee is the radio play-by-play voice of the Colorado Avalanche, and as you could probably hear in his weary play-by-play voice, uh, after one hundred, <laughs> after one hundred plus games, uh, he needs a little bit of rehab over the summer as well. Uh, but. Uh, Connor, you brought it up, the fact that, uh, you know, as much as Tampa Bay was saying uh, after the game on Sunday night, we're not done yet. Uh, the, you know, the feeling with Colorado is we're just getting started here. Uh, this has a, this team has an excellent core. Uh, Joel Sackick has some work to do as much as you, yeah, sure, there's $25 million uh, under the cap. But uh, uh, when you start to dig in a little bit, uh, you know, that money's going to go uh, uh, pretty quickly uh, by the time you re-sign some key free agents. And then, of course, you re-up Nathan McKinnon. Uh, pretty accurate on that one? Yeah, absolutely, Kelly. And you're right on the money because you have guys who have earned big new deals. 
Nazem Kadri, Valerian and Chushkin being the top two, both are UFAs now. Uh, Kadri had the best year of his career in the regular season and the postseason. And he's earned whatever money comes his way. And because the Avalanche have a bunch of forwards that they need to sign, Nathan McKinnon, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, that deal waiting in the weeds. Devon Taves in, in similar territory yeah. uh, has earned himself uh, – you know, they, they did four by four. And after this next year, then we're, we're talking about uh, trying to sign Devon Taves as well. So part of being a general manager in the NHL is, yes, the upcoming season, but looking down the road. And that's where both Joe Sackick and, and Chris McFarland have done a wonderful job. Craig Billington as well as a, a planning sort of for the future and seeing at least what kind of money would be available to put in auxiliary pieces. Now, Kadri, it's entirely possible that he's played himself uh, out in a good mm. way for him, as what Colorado can do. But I think that Valerian and Chushkin should be a huge priority because yeah. of offensive production now, adding to the fact that he should, in my mind, be a perennial Selkie finalist for the way that he plays the game. Um and then you have many Natushkin out there as well, and Arturi Lekkinen, yeah, very mm-hmm. similar styles, and now they're just tenacious all the time. But now both of them have a scoring touch, and that makes them quite lethal to the Avalanche forward group. So Lekkinen, an RFA, Natushkin, a UFA. Uh, Burakovsky is the other major forward that is unrestricted now, and so we'll see if, if he's able to, to come back at a price. But the, the tough part about repeating is that Rarely is the roster locked up the way that it was the year before when you ran, when when you won, and and it's hard to make that run again. Yeah, I mean, especially when you have a guy like Natushkin who's on a value contract and then some. But, you know, the, the nice thing about Natushkin, uh, you mentioned Burakovsky and, of course, Arturi Luckett, and, uh, boy, Mr. Clutch, talk about... Uh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, scoring, you know, the clinching goals in both the conference and the Stanley Cup finals. Those guys are in there just past their mid-20s, so they're still into their primes. Mm-hmm. You, know, you might be a little bit concerned with Nazem Kadri, uh, you know, 31. Maybe the first couple of years you get good return on on the contract. But what happens, you know, once guys get into their mid-30s? But that uh, that's for another day. The, the other question very quickly for you, Connor, before we let you go. And thank you, man, for doing this. I know that it's uh, it's been a whirlwind for you. But uh, <laughs> uh, last summer, Joe uh, Sakic, the general manager, you know, had to make a real smart deal and pay a price to get Darcy Kemper. One of these days, we'll see Connor Timmons uh, in an Arizona uniform, and people will get uh, why the Coyotes wanted him as part of that deal. But uh, would Kemper also be uh, right up there with uh, re-signing Natushkin uh, uh, going into next year? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question because they have sort of their 1A in Pavel Francois locked up. He signed a two-year extension of $2 million per during the year. So you have at least one goaltender who, and, and let's not forget that Francois won six games. He went 6-0 in the Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He, yeah so he only went 6-0. <laughs> yeah, no big deal, right? Um, so is it something where, okay, we can save a little bit of money on goaltending and have Francois be your number one? With Eustace Annanen, who's probably the first promising goaltender prospect that the Avalanche have had come through their system, arguably, Ever, I mean, most of their 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 solid goaltenders have, have been free agent and 
acquisitions and, and trades coming from other teams. So that's one avenue that Joe Sackett can take. But he can also look with, with Darcy Kemper, who needs a new deal, and again at his age, uh, see if it's agreeable for both sides for him to come back. Joe Sackett usually doesn't mind the money. It, it's it's long-term contracts that he likes to avoid, which is, is really smart business because that's how you don't get locked into a deal that you hate and then yeah. and unload. So if, if you come into the money is not the problem. It's usually the term that is short, and then you can and work out your plan later. So, yeah, in goal will be interesting to see which route uh, they take here in the next couple of months. Well, when you're talking term with a team like, say, Arizona or Seattle or, you know, someone that's on the on the bottom rung, uh, and then you compare that to talking short term with Colorado, well, you know, I can get me another one or two Stanley Cups here. I think uh, there's a, <laughs> a huge difference there as well. I can't wait yeah. to shake your hand and congratulate you in person uh, uh, in the fall when the schedule comes out. We see when Colorado's coming to town, but uh Mr. McGahee, you enjoy your summer, my friend. Uh, I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of great uh, moments around the pool, uh, uh, sucking back a couple of cold ones. <laughs> well, th- thanks, Kelly. And, and I'm glad you called. Glad we could do this. I always love coming on. So the, the offer stands, call anytime. And uh, like I said, Winnipeg, one of my favorite places to come. You guys are always so generous to us and, and to me. So I uh, really, truly can't wait to see you again. I hope that you and everybody has a great summer up there. Yeah, and coming right back at you, friend. Coming right back at you. Connor McGahee, the radio play-by-play voice on KSE Radio in Colorado for the Stanley Cup champion avalanche. Right now, a fellow who uh, not only talks a great game of football, he's been doing it for years uh, for TSN and doing it exceptionally well, uh, but he is also uh, just gum-dipped into this game to the nth degree. He's been an outstanding coach with the new Westminster Hawks program uh, for a number of years. So uh, not only does he cover football, but he lives, eats, and breathes it as well. His name is Farhan Lalji. He joins us now from Vancouver. And Farhan, uh, boy, I'll tell you, uh, as far as this season has started for the BC Lions, I don't know uh, if it could have been any better. And right at the center of it all is Nathan Rourke, isn't he? Yeah, he's been incredible. And Kelly, thanks for having me. It's been far too long. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, it, it um, has been for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and we haven't even started with how the hell you're putting up with, with my friend Derek Taylor, because that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, now, now, that he's, now that he's over at your place. But, uh, <laughs> You know, Nathan Rourke's been a fabulous story, and not just for the BC Lions, but I think for the entire Canadian Football League. And, you know, the response that I'm getting from people around the league who want to talk about him, you know, local radio stations, TSN, giving him so much more airtime, uh, you know, on SportsCenter and other platforms that the, the league just needs to be on more. Um, he's a story that's just captured the attention of the league. And, and even people that were not necessarily big fans before are starting to, to peek in on this curiosity and you know when you look at what's happened to the league in the last couple of years COVID notwithstanding like we've talked about the the offensive entertainment around this league not being as good as it once was and one of the reasons for that is just a lack of quality young quarterbacks coming into the league right and you know who is going to be that next wave and now we've got a guy and the fact that he's a Canadian is a big time bonus but just the way he's playing football as a quarterback before you look at his citizenship it's been pretty impressive these first two weeks. And for the Lions, one of the three big market teams that all want to find a way to reinvigorate and recapture their fan base, 
they needed a guy to build around, and they thought they had it with Mike Riley for two years when he came back to BC as the face of the franchise, but it just never worked. And it's working with this kid because people are talking about him, and he's playing the game at a pretty high level at such a young age. Boy, isn't he ever. I mean, of the starters, uh, quarterback efficiency, uh, a 147.3. A a completion percentage of just under 88. I mean, these are are numbers Doug Flutie didn't even attain. And uh, I guess the thing that surprises me a little bit, uh, Farhan, because we did get a chance to see Nathan play uh, last year when Mike Riley did go down with injury. And while you could see snapshots of how good this kid could be, I mean, you're right there on the sidelines. You understand the game as well as anybody covering it. Did you see this coming? Well, not to this degree, right? I mean, anyone who suggested, oh, I knew he was going to be 88% as a passer, the best ever, (laughs) you know, two-game stretch, two-game sample size, it's small, but there has never been a quarterback in the history of the Canadian Football League that has put up his completion percentage over two games. And a guy that's thrown the football a lot, like Ricky Ray had the record previously with 20 fewer attempts than what Nathan has done, right? So um, nobody could have predicted this. However, I was fully on board with what the Lions were doing, and I really believe this kid was going to have success in this league. You know, I've gotten to know him for a couple of years. When he first showed up here, I I actually connected him to to the quarterback coach that he's working with right now in the offseason. And, um, you know, just uh, my my first Nathan Rourke story was I actually called him when he was a freshman at Ohio, right? So his first year at Ohio, um, I called him. I was at the Super Bowl. Uh, and I think we were in Houston at the Super Bowl at the time, and I called him because I wanted to get a contact for his junior college that he played at before he got to Ohio because I, I wanted to uh, get that contact because I had a player I was trying to place that was kind of a junior college fit. And he, and he answers the phone, and he's like, is this really far in Like, I've been watching you since I was little, and I thought, Nathan, <laughs> Nathan you just made me feel really, really old. Um, so, But, you know, since then we, we've maintained a bit of a connection. And so, look, I knew how hard he was working. I knew how hard he worked a year ago. And that was what the quarterback or that was what the offensive staff and the head coach for BC, Rick Campbell, saw. And that's why they invested in him. It wasn't about the ratio. It was about let's try to develop our own guy. And this is a guy we can believe in. When Brian Burnham and Lucky Whitehead decide we're going to re-sign and come back to BC, receivers, it's all about who the quarterback is, right? Because that's how you're going to get paid. If you have a great year, you can get paid again the next year. And for them to say, look, we believe in this kid and we're going to come back and we're going to play for this kid because we got some special year, those things speak volumes. So I had absolutely no doubt he was going to have success. There's going to be some bumps along the road because there is for everybody, but I also have faith in his ability to not believe the hype and to work through those bumps in the road because that's what he's all about. It's the work piece. You know, the thing that really stands out in watching him, aside from, uh, you know, the, the gaudy statistics, uh, it, the quick release. I mean, it, it would be very, very difficult for front fours to, to key on in on him that way. And then also, Farhan, and, and you would see this from your vantage point, the way he interacts with all of his teammates on the sidelines. The, the team loves him. Um, he gives them the ultimate respect. And he trusts them. And you know, I, I just actually had a conversation with Jordan McSimmick, the offensive coordinator, about it. And I said, you know, what's the difference? Because you had this unbelievably accomplished player in Mike Riley, and you've now got this incredible offense, right? Like, it, it, it's counterintuitive that the better player isn't having the level of success. And 
You know, and, and Jordan said that, you know, from his perspective, he's also more comfortable in his skin as an offensive coordinator. And a year ago, he knew what he had in Mike Riley, and plays got designed accordingly, right? Like, if you were going to have a, you know, a five-yard under on a play and a 12-yard over on a play, Mike was taking the 12-yard over, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's just how he was wired. Whereas Nathan will take the five-yard under if it's open because he trusts his guys to go make the play. Right, So now the offensive line is more excited because they don't have to hang on and protect as long. And it was a suspect offensive line last year. It's the same yeah. guys. right? And so there's a trust that Nathan has in the offense. He's not all about himself. He's just all about success. And, you know, and that's working for them. And it's making everybody around him better, just that trust piece. Now, at some point, could happen this week against Ottawa. Could happen next week against Winnipeg. Uh, probably less likely against Winnipeg because they don't play that way. But you know, somebody's going to say, okay, we're going to get you in press man and we're going to bring everybody and we're going to see if you can hang on to it just a touch longer to get that deep route down the field as opposed to a quick throw against zone and see how you handle it. And, you know, the, both Jordan McSimmick and Nathan Work are going to have to figure it out. And, you know, like I just said, I, Nathan, Nathan's a guy that if he gets hit a few times and sees something differently, he'll learn from it. He's not going to get frustrated by it. And you mentioned how the team interacts with him. That's part of it, right? Like, they know that frustration is not going to be there. He's not going to get rattled. Yeah, that Ottawa defense, Mike Benavides has them playing really well. I know uh, they gave Winnipeg fits and probably were not. Uh, they deserve better than 0-2 uh, in that home-and-home home series. Yeah. Just before we let you go, Farhan, speaking of great leaders uh, who interacted with their teammates, well, just switch to a different sport here very quickly. Uh, yesterday, a special day as well for sports fans and specifically Canuck fans in Vancouver, uh, with Daniel and uh, Henrik uh, Sedin and Roberto Luongo all going into the Hall of Fame. They were such big, big pieces of the Canuck success in the mid-2000s up until, uh, what, about 2010, 2011 on that great run against the Boston uh, Bruins. Yeah, you know, it it felt like a Hall of Fame day in Vancouver, which which was kind of cool to be a part of when they got announced. And Look, you know, I've been doing this a long time, much like you have, and uh, I don't know that I've ever covered two better people than Daniel and Henrik. And Roberto was great, but Daniel and Henrik, just as, as people to be around and, and understand, like, look, this organization in Vancouver hasn't had a ton of team success, right? But they've, so we kind of tend to, to celebrate or get to know the individual a little bit better. And when jerseys get retired, it tends to be more about the you know who they are and how they resonated with the fan base and the community and with kids and things like that and you know Pavel Bury may have been a, been a bit of an exception or was purely about the hockey everyone else has been about the person and Daniel and Henrik you know typify that and for 18 years they were standard bearers for excellence and culture setters and things like that and um, you know and they backed it up on the ice right because in their 18 year career like this isn't just nice guys going into the Hall of Fame over an 18 year sample size. They were fifth and seventh, Henrik and Daniel respectively, in league scoring. 18 years is a long time, right? And the other guys on that list are uh, Crosby, Ovechkin, Iginla, and Thornton, right? Like, that's a pretty impressive list. And those guys were right there. All of those guys are Hall of Fame players. These guys are Hall of Fame people as well. It bothers me that they didn't win a Stanley Cup, not because I'm a Vancouver homer, but because those two guys are champions. And they deserved it on every level because they carried themselves and, and prepared. You know, there was a consistency to their preparation when you talk to coaches and how they were the most fit guys every year in the preseason testing. And the example that that set, you know, there was just so much of that involved that they're just too difficult 
people to replace in your building. And it's great that they're still around, but it's different that they're not in the locker room because you could tell it's different not having those two there. Yeah, they played the game the right way for 18 years. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I, it, it probably has been about 18 years since the last time we had, had a chance to chat. It won't be that long for the next time. Thanks a bunch for this, Farhan. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, my friend. We'll talk soon. And mighty would be the best way to describe uh, the team that our next two guests played for. Uh, the Texas Elite Spartans of the uh, Women's National Football Conference. And our next two guests are not from the state of Texas, even though that's where they played uh, professionally this past season. They are right here uh, from the province of Manitoba. Uh, they are, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying, veteran Brianne Ward and uh, young athlete Hannah McEwen. Brianne, are you okay with me calling you a veteran? Please tell me you are. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay, yeah, yeah, because uh, <laughs> you, I, I was uh, doing a little bit of pre- preparation for our interview, and man, to tell you, you have a very impressive resume for the years you've been playing football. Uh, Hannah, are you okay with uh, being uh, described as as young athlete, or would you prefer yeah, I called so- you a veteran? No, 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 young athlete is is fine. Yeah, you're good with that. Okay, uh, well, uh, Hannah and Brianne. Uh, spent this past year playing for Texas in the uh, Women's National Football Conference. And on Sunday night, uh, they met the Yukon Falcons uh, in Frisco, Texas, uh, in the battle for it all. And uh, maybe I'm just looking in the wrong places, Brianne. I tried to find the score. I tried to find some details on the game uh, on the uh, Women's National Football Conference website and just wasn't able to find that out. So uh, I know you guys won. So congratulations for that. Uh, what was the score in the game? Do you remember? Um, you know what? It was kind of a blur by the end of the game. <laughs> uh, we were up by about 30 points. I think we won. I think it was like 44 to 13. I should really know that, but all I know. We, we we definitely blew them out. Wow, that is impressive. And, you know, Hannah, that just was kind of like a snapshot of your regular season because I know when I was looking at the stats, you guys kind of beat teams on an average of about 33-7. to 7. So I guess, I don't know, were you expecting to win by that kind of a margin? Uh, we definitely had a really successful uh, season, but every time we play a new team, you know, we prep and take every team very seriously. So um, we went in with the confidence that we knew um, that we could play, but definitely we didn't just expect to win. Yeah. How special is it, Brianne, uh, uh, to win a championship? I don't know how many you've won before uh, in your career, uh, but uh, I would imagine this one because the Women's National Football Conference, that's kind of the pinnacle of women's football, is it not? Yeah, the I would say that the league, it's its the top in the world, and realistically our team, we're, we're the best women's football team in the world, hands down. Um, I've been playing for 11 years now. You know, I played uh, for both teams in Winnipeg. Um, I represented Team Manitoba. I played Team Canada in 2017. So we came up short with a silver medal against the U.S., so this is my, my first ring, so everything kind of led up to this moment. Yeah. Just before I go to Hannah here for a second, I want to come back to you, Brian. Were in that loss in 2017 to the States, were there some of your Texas teammates that were on that American team and 
did you kind of have to patch things up before the start of this season? <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. When um, when I was trying to get on the Texas team, Dillo, who's uh, she's our center and she's one of the owners of our team, um, I actually had to talk to her, and she remembered me from Team Canada because I played interior D line at that time, and so we were going up against each other back and forth. So yep, uh, I had some reunions. It was uh, <laughs> it went a lot better than what you probably would expect. Yeah, I would imagine. So once you become teammates, all of a sudden that stuff kind of gets uh, uh, brushed under the carpet, so to speak. So, Hannah, tell me, uh, you haven't been uh, playing quite as long uh, as Brianna has, but maybe uh, give us uh, a quick rundown on your football career today. Yeah, so I started in 2014. I played um, in our girls' league in Winnipeg. And then I transitioned to high school with the boys. And then I switched to our women's league. Uh, where I met Bree and we became teammates. So when you were playing with the boys, uh, I think I, I would hope attitudes have changed now in a more enlightened world we live in. But when you first started, uh, uh, did you come up against a little bit of resistance? Uh, definitely, for sure, a lot of resistance. Um, I was fortunate to have a really supportive team and coaching staff, but other teams, other people who didn't play football, who just knew that I played, it definitely was, uh, wasn't really a welcoming environment, but I was blessed to have a really good team who helped me through that um, and definitely um, helped me continue to play football. So, Hannah, when you get through something like that, how much does Sunday night become even more uh, of an accomplishment for you? You know, winning a championship after, you know, like you say, coming through some obstacles uh, that a male athlete would not have had to do. Yeah, it, it's hard to put into words. It, uh, it was an incredible experience, and it just meant meant the world to me and Bree. And uh, my mom and brother were able to come down to experience the game, and it uh, it's just we're still definitely in shock. Uh, we've been through so much to get here, and it wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, I guess not. You know, Brianne, I uh, saw the pictures of the facility uh, that you played the championship game, and it's called the Star in Frisco. Uh, I think it should be the five-star resort in Frisco. It's just an absolutely beautiful facility. Uh, how many people were there? And uh, is is that a, is, is an exciting an atmosphere as you have uh, been able to experience in your long career? Yeah, um, I think when we first got into the facility, everyone was kind of in awe. Um, it's the Cowboys practice facility. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, but walking on that field, there's kind of no feeling like it. I went out uh, just to do some special teams before, you know, the rest of the team came out, and I definitely, you know, looked around and took it all in. Um, we're lucky we – I don't know the exact number of the amount of people that were in the stands, um, but they were they were pretty full. And, you know, we had the girls from the all-pro team uh, game who were from, you know, all the other teams in the league – who were able to watch and they were all in the stands too. So it was, it was pretty electric. Everyone, everyone had some really good energy in that facility. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, we are speaking with Brianne Ward of Winnipeg and Hannah McEwen. Hannah, you're originally from Lundar, correct? Uh, no, it's actually the other way around. I'm Oh, the other way Winnipeg. around. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I messed it up. There, a 15-yard penalty for not getting your information correct. So, Brianne Ward, who's originally from Lundar, Hannah McEwen from mm-hmm. Winnipeg, who are both members of the uh, uh, Texas Elite Spartans who won the uh, championship final in convincing fashion. 
We think it was 44-13 over the Utah Falcons, but don't hold us Don't hold us to that uh, uh, on Sunday night uh, to, to capture the title. So here's the dumb question from the uh, uh, the journalist, uh, uh, and it uh, doesn't matter whichever one of you want to take this one on, but how does Brianne Ward from Lundar and Hannah McEwen from Winnipeg wind up as members of a professional team in Texas, do they recruit you or did you recruit them? Uh, we recruited them. We did not take no for an answer. <laughs> um, me and Bree had been teammates for years now, and we both just had this strong passion to play at the highest level. Um, so we decided that we wanted to come to the States to play in the spring and Texas was definitely one of our teams that we wanted to be on, but um, we had missed the tryouts. Um, but I came down in January for training, so I was already here, was able to convince them to get uh, to let us go to training camp, um, and then the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> no so are you guys still down in Texas, or are you back home now? No, we're still here in Texas. We're going to be here for a few weeks before we head to Finland for Worlds. Right, yeah, I'll ask you about the Worlds in a moment. So I, I, I want to do this where I'm not being too nosy, but uh, is it like is it a professional enough league uh, that you are able to make a, 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 a good enough salary that you don't have to worry about coming home and working for the other six months of the year? I hope that's not too personal a question to ask. Um, well, right now, the league that we're in, even though it's a professional league, um, we're not funded for it. Our league is actually going through its first round of funding at the end of this year. Um, so we have some big investors coming in. So we kind of uh, moved down here to Texas for the love of the game. <laughs> so we're on our own dime right now. Okay. Yeah. That's a, the, thank you for, uh, for, for not uh, saying, no, mind your own business more. Um, no, it's okay. So, yeah, so, so Brianne had mentioned that uh, you've both uh, been uh, named to Team Canada, who will be competing in the World Championships in Finland. I went on that website, and uh, I, I couldn't find the, the dates of the tournament. So when do the Worlds start uh, for, for women's football, and when are you heading over to Finland? So we're heading over for training camp on, I think it's the 21st of July, and the games are from the 28th until August 8th. They should actually all be online, but we'll have training camp. Everyone flies in, um, and then the way the structure kind of works, I think we have four games, and we have a game every other day. So um, it's going to be it's going to be really busy. It's going to go really fast. Right on, and Hannah. Did you play on that 2017 team as well? And will this also be your second World Championship, or will this be your first? This will be my first. Yeah. So you must be pretty excited about that. Yeah, uh, when we knew that we were playing in Texas, um, we thought tryouts were going to overlap, but we were able to have a bye week the same week, so we got to fly back to Ottawa, try out without missing a game, coming back, and then we got the news that we both make the team, so it's definitely very exciting. No kidding. That is going to be absolutely fantastic. Well, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. On Sunday night, they were handing out the Stanley Cup. What's the name of the trophy for the Women's uh, uh, National Football Conference, Brianne? Uh, do they have a, do they have a uh, name for it? It's called, yeah, it's called the Nine Cup. It's named after uh, Title Nine. 
Okay, there you go. So while they were handing out the Stanley Cup, they were also handing out the Nine Cup. And uh, there was Darren Helm from St. Andrews, uh, Manitoba, who was accepting the Stanley Cup. There was Brianne Ward from Lundar. I'm going to get that right. And Hannah McEwen from <laughs> Winnipeg, who were accepting the Nine Cup. And congratulations to you both. And uh, we'll certainly uh, uh, keep in, in touch and uh, uh, find out how things go uh, over at the Worlds in Finland. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to touch base with you then. Yeah, definitely. You can follow us on our socials if you want to watch our journey going over to Vance Finland. You bet. Brianne, thank you for this. Uh, Hannah, uh, also thank you so much and, and enjoy the experience of your first world championship. Okay, thank you so much for having thank us. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to